exploitation to freedom. Acts chapter 3. Thousands have been added to the church up until now after Peter's sermon uh, on that day of Pentecost and the believers were gathering every single, not maybe not every single day, but continually and they were breaking bread, uh, they were listening and speaking the word and they were selling their possessions and really just this community was flowering with love and with warmth and, and people were reaching out uh, with the love of Christ and in this particular setting, chapter 3 starts. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m., the hour of prayer. And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and he said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. What an amazing occurrence. If we were living in that day and we were a spectator in that temple, if we were a bystander on the street, let alone if we were that lame beggar, this would have been a memorable, memorable day. A day in which we could not have gotten out of the mental picture of our mind for a long, long time. It would be something that a young child saw and in his old age he would still be able to look back in those adolescent days, and say, I remember that day that man walked. We're talking about something powerful, something significant and truly memorable. And in this setting, we find what happens to this man that was lame from birth through Peter and John and this assembled people in this temple that day to be absolutely spectacular. Here's my underlying thought for this message. The longer we are aware of the exploited, the more desensitized we become. What do I mean by that? The longer I see the plight of a person and I continue to remain in contact and in visual sight of that person, and as time progresses, as the days pile on, I become more and more hardened and insensitive to the condition of that man or woman. That's an underlying thought that I have for this message. It's not my main idea, but it's at least a principle or a truth that I believe is pervasive. That when we see uh, a brother that has been in a certain rebellious situation for years, we become desensitized to the condition of our brother. When we see an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, a friend, a co-worker, a colleague, a boss, a subordinate, when we see somebody in a condition that is chronic and pervasive... In the beginning, we're like, oh, we need to change this. Something needs to happen. And the next week comes, and the month passes, and the year passes. And year after year, we see the same person in the same condition has not changed. We're like, okay, it's just normal now. It's normal. 
And so what I want us to realize is this man was lame from birth and he was by this temple every single day and people were walking to the temple to pray and as they saw the man, they just passed right by him as if he was just a rock on the side of the road. This is what's happening here. Okay? And so that's my underlying thought. And here's my main idea. That we must break the slow slide of desensitization with fresh eyes in Christ. This must happen in our daily lives. That when we go about and we see the same folks in the same plight, in the same condition, I must be able to, in faith, see that person with a newness, with a, a freshness in my eyes and in my spirit to say, you know what, I thought this was normal, but something can change in your life today. It might be just another day, but today is a special one. So that's the, the main idea, and I, I want to, to, to set the setting a little bit, or, or show you what the setting is. It's 3 p.m., the ninth hour of the day. In Scripture, day started at 6 a.m., and so you had nine hours, so it's 3 p.m., mid-afternoon. It's busy about, okay? And so people are up and about at this time, and they're all walking to a temple at the hour of prayer, at the time of prayer, and so they're going into a house of worship to pray to God. That's what's happening. Okay, And as they're going about, they see a man that is very poorly dressed, very dirty, likely very smelly, and he had been there, and I had seen him before. And he is seated at this particular gate because he was carried there by people and placed there to collect some money. And as he's there, I can imagine, he's not looking at anybody. All right? Have you ever seen somebody sitting on the side of the road asking for money? There is not a lot of courage or dignity in their hearts. And when that is void, we don't look people in the eye. And so that's why Peter and John had to say, look at us. Look at us for a second. And so I can imagine as the, this man saw Peter and, and John entering the temple, just there were another couple of dudes entering the temple that day, and he saw them and he just kind of was asking for alms. Peter comes up to him and says, I don't got the money. Gold and silver I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you. And he's saying, I want you to look at me for a second. And so this is the setting of what is happening. And everybody is just walking right by this man. Everybody's just walking by. And this day, like the days that had preceded it, this man thought he needed money. That's what he thought he needed. And that's what everybody thought he needed. Because that's what he was asking for. But somehow, Peter and John, and I think that these two would have seen them, this man before. Because, again, Peter and John, they weren't strangers to the temple. And this man was set there every day, it says. And so this man was recognizable, I would think, also by Peter and John. And on this day, somehow as he looks at this man seated there, he doesn't walk by. And he says, I don't have the money you want or you think you need, but what you truly do need, I give to you in the name of Jesus. He says, walk. And he gives to him a sense of dignity 
and also of freedom. Why do I say dignity? Is because he came by and he seized him by the hand. I, I don't know about you, but if you see somebody that is in a very unclean condition, most people are not prone to touch that particular person. And he grabs this man by the hand. He's giving him dignity. He's coming close. He's not taking a step to the side to enter the gate. He actually steps a little bit closer. And he comes right to him and he grabs him by the hand, giving him worth and dignity. And he gives him the freedom that he needs. And I titled this message, Exploitation to Freedom, because I believe this man was exploited. That these people, whoever they were, these nameless folks that carried him to the gate of this temple, I don't necessarily think they were family members. I think they were people that were exploiting this particular man. And the reason why I think that I have this, this memory just of, from some, a few months back when David's small group, we were in this uh, coffee shop in Cerritos, and as we were there, there was this young black kid, seven, eight years old, just walks in with a box of candy, and he comes right to our table, so suave, so confident, and he just walks right up to David. He pinned him out right from the beginning. And he's egging him on to buy some chocolate for five bucks, that he could buy four for 20. Hey, that he should buy some for his girl, right? And he was so clever, so witty, unbelievable. And our group that we were sitting on this table, we saw just over our shoulder, probably a 20-something young man just kind of half-sleeping, slouched back on the chair and just kind of directing the kid, hey, go to that table now, go to that table. And we see this young boy, poorly dressed, and this guy has Jordans on. And I, I think about that particular scenario right now. I see a lame man from birth who has no ability in and of himself, completely at the whim of those around him who are more powerful and can exploit him. And these guys are carrying him to the gate of this temple to beg some alms. And, and Peter, I can imagine, if I give you money, it doesn't directly benefit just you. But what I want to give you is what helps you, your freedom, your ability to walk. And he goes to this man, grabs him by the hand and says, walk. And he raises the man up. And he gives the freedom that he needs. And this seizing of the the hand, that this man was lame since birth. Lame since birth. Can I ask you, have you ever had a chronic condition? Chronic pain, right? Like in your back or your gimp knee? Just something that you, in the beginning when it was setting in, offered clear discomfort and you were trying to find treatment for it. I need to get rid of the pain in my back or my knee or whatever it is. And as time progresses, what happens in the mind is we begin to not only numb ourselves to the pain a little bit, we learn how to live with it, and then after learning how to live with it, it just becomes the accepted condition of our lives. And we learn how to to navigate with it, and it impedes us a little bit less, and it's just there. And this past Friday, I mentioned, it's just that, that one cousin that's just always around, right? It's just there, it's just there, and it doesn't go away. And so this man, lame since birth, not being able to walk his entire life, 
And so walking was not even a luxury. It's not even a norm. It's something that is completely out there. Never thought of. Everybody else is walking, but uh, I don't think I'll ever walk. Maybe as a young child, he saw other children running and jumping and playing on the rocks and in the fields. And he's like, oh, I wish I could do that. And maybe trying with his hands or, or finding some sort of form of movement and mobility and doing certain things. But later, becoming a teenager, a young adult into his adult life, resignation sets in. And now, you know what, just carry me. And he's let go of hope, of walking. It's no longer a possibility. I'm not even expecting to walk in my life anymore. And he was lame since birth. It's just an accepted condition now. And as I opened this up to the group, Joe mentioned that, you know, what are there particular character flaws or sins that we fall into where we have just accepted that as the norm now. That this is just how life is. That I will expect to fall into this same sin. I will expect to just live with this condition or flaw all of my life. And I'm no longer expecting to be freed from it. That in this condition, we need to hopefully relate to that as a person and say that there can be a moment that even the things that I thought would never leave my life, that there can be just another day when that freedom sets in and something happens in my life. This was such a day for this man. He was lame since birth. Since birth. And so now we think about We've been in the same job for a couple of years and we think things will never change. We've had the same set of parents for all of our life, the same sibling for all of our life. We've had this, this condition or this thought life or this sin. And we've had these things and we're like, you know what? It's just not going to change. And so easily we resign ourselves from that and we say, you know what? I'm just no longer going to try here. Just carry me. And hopefully today, if you can see yourself in the life and in the crippled feet and ankles of this lame man, you would be able to see a glimmer of hope where there was previously none, where there was completely no desire to even think that something could change here. That hopefully this passage would show you that it's really never over. That even what I don't even plead to God to fix, that God can step in my life on any particular day, and say, I will identify this, and I will free you from this. And so he was lame since birth. And another thing is that that Peter and John, they seized this man by the hand, and they raised him up. What I love about that is we can pray for people at a distance. (laughs) I wish you well. God bless you. My thoughts and my prayers, right? And we're so good at that, especially in the age of social media, right? Something comes up, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And we're so good at praying for people at a distance. But what Peter and John, they do, is that they come up and they grab the man by the hand and they actually raise him up. Not only do they say walk, he picks him up. And I see something very important here, that to help someone come out of the margins of life to health and wholeness, we need to do more than just pray. That we need to give a helping hand. That it takes more than just a group of Christians to gather, to sing, and to pray, and to wish the health and wholeness 
of the community or people around them. But that from that space of realizing that that's reality, seeing the person where they are, and being able to say, I pray for you, but I come close enough to help you up. And this is the true form of outreach, the true form of love in Christ. To be able to see a person in a condition, to pray, to declare, to come close, and to lift. And when this happens, the healing and freedom of the exploited and marginalized it awakens the consciousness of the broader society. Why do I say that? When Christians will serve those that are exploited, will serve those that are in a deplorable condition, and help that individual or those people come to a place of health and wholeness again, what happens then is that the broader society will look at that and it awakens their own consciousness their own vision of what is happening. And why? Because freedom is visible. Freedom is irrefutable. That what was happening is that this man was lame since birth and everybody saw him. And now all of a sudden he's praising and leaping God and no one can say any different. That they saw that and they could not condemn it, say it didn't happen. That personal testimony is that powerful. People might have been able to have a deaf ear to the gospel before this, but they could not have blind eyes to what happened to this man. It was visible and irrefutable, that freedom was. That personal testimony is that powerful. He was leaping and praising God. They recognized him as the one. That was the guy, wasn't he? Just when we walked in the temple, we saw him. We passed right by him. We might have saw him on the corner of our eye, but I knew he was there. And now we see him leaping. What's going on? And this testimony, this real life thing that was happening and unfolding was something that was powerful. They saw it with their own eyes. And... These folks that were recognizing this man as the one that had been seated by this temple, can't you see them as being desensitized a little bit? Look at with me to verse 10. It says, They were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate. Taking note. And so what happens now is, see yourself in the temple for a second that particular afternoon. It's filled, and people are praying. They're doing spiritual acts. They're, they're lifting their, their voices and, the, and, and their faith to God. And, and in this time, it's being disrupted. Some guy's yelling and screaming with joy, and he's just running around everywhere. Can you imagine this gazelle in the field? He's never walked before, and all of a sudden, he, has, he doesn't have to stumble or learn like a child, and he's just running and leaping and shouting the entire time, Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! And what's going on? And they see the man, and as he's running around and leaping, Wait! Hey! You! That! What? How? And suddenly, what was from the fringes of their vision came front and center, and they could no longer remain in that space. And so when Peter and John went up to this man, 
who was overlooked, spoke to him in faith, raised him up in the name of Jesus. What happened was every single person in that temple and in that area that day had a wake-up call. And this is what begins to happen when the men and women of God act and stand in faith and begin to serve those that are in the margins. As we pull back a little bit from this story and we see the different people involved, Peter and John, the lame man, the crowds, as you begin to see these parts, what we had talked about this past Friday as we were closing out was that there are times when we can see ourselves as Peter and John, can't we? That we need to be able to, to see differently and to be able to reach out into people's lives, people who might have faith or no faith, strong faith, small faith, but are in a condition and we, we, we can see them differently. And we're able to, to not see as man sees, but see as God sees. Because man sees the out, outer shell. We're usually stuck there. That was what happened in the Old Testament. Like a very, a very pointed example of that was King Saul and, and King David and the prophet Samuel. When Saul was rejected, all of a sudden Samuel was commissioned to find another king. And he was just looking with his eyes. And God's saying, wait a minute, I see things differently. I look on the inside. And God has a history of that. And we must learn and train ourselves to see not as man sees and being stuck on the outside, but be able to come in and, and look on the inward and say, what are the true needs of this man? This man is begging for this, but I see a completely different need that everybody is seeing this, but we see a different thing. Everybody's going this way, but we want to go this way. And so there are times when we are Peter and John, and there are other times when we're also like that lame beggar where we've accepted conditions and we've accepted things and things that are undesirable in our lives and we say, you know what, it's just going to be like this. It's just never going to change. And to know that a day can set in, that a dawn can set in my life where all of a sudden that day will be different. That day will be different. That a Peter and John, so to speak, can walk into my life and see something that everybody else didn't see. And be able to speak in faith into my life. Or maybe it's the Holy Spirit that will speak in faith into my life on that day. And a freedom can set in, a wholeness can be had. That I need not resign myself to say it will just be like this and that's it. But what I hope we will never be is the crowd that was desensitized. The group that just, you know what, they're just same old, same old. Like, you know, I just see it and then I just, it's just too much. And then just walk on by. And how easy that is to walk on by that, that one person in that one space. How easy it is to walk on by that, that one person in our life that just, you know, we've, just, we've tried and we've, we've had it. But for something to change as it did in Peter and John. As we approach maybe the Christmas season, the new year that's in front of us, that we as a church, let's ask God for freshness in our eyes. And that's really how I want to close uh, with the first statement today. Praise team as you come back. The first thing that I'll say is that we need to ask God for fresh eyes. 
fresh eyes. Say, Lord, help me to see as you see, not as other people see. Help me to look at, at the people that are around me with, with a different type of vision. To look on the inside. And secondly, after we ask for that, that not only do we need to pray, that we need to be people that will lift up. That we need to be more than just a group of people that will, that will gather in a particular space and pray for the plight of people. But we need to, when we are presented with an opportunity that God has given to us, to be able to, in our spaces of work, in the home, wherever that might be, in the corners of our lives, to be able to look into the margins, see the people that are there, and be able to not just pray and lift up words of faith, but to give a hand and raise a person to newness and wholeness in life. I pray that that will be our story, that we would be like an, a, a Peter and a John to the the people in the margins of our life. Amen? Amen.